In today's episode of Locked On Pistons podcast, we will be previewing Boyan Bogdanovich upcoming season for the Detroit Pistons. How did he play last season for the Pistons? What do we expect to see from him this year? And will he end the season on the Pistons? We'll talk about all that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. We're on our road to 10,000 subscribers by the end of this upcoming season. So if you have not already, again, please go hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel, Locked On Pistons. Obviously, I would really appreciate it. Today we are joined by Lazarus Jackson, host. Actually, do you guys still do the podcast at Detroit Bad Boys? No, nah, the the pod. I, I guess this can be the uh, official, unofficial announcement. The oh, okay. uh, the the podcast with me and Ben is not happening this season. Uh, the podcast on Detroit Bad Boys might happen in some capacity uh, this season. I'm not. Uh, I'm not fully aware of what the plan is for that, but yeah, no, the me and me and Ben are too old for this, so we're, we're <laughs> too old for this. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, you can find him over on Twitter at Last Chance, and he's still one of the editors at Detroit Bad Boys. You can find his work over there as well. I um, appreciate you coming on, Last, to talk about Boyan Bogdanovich upcoming season, previewing his uh, season with the Pistons. But first thing I got to ask you about, just real quickly, Damian Lillard. I just recorded a podcast. It was posted we're recording this on the 28th you guys will have already listened to that podcast by the time you listen to this one i just got done recording how the pistons are affected by damian lillard's trade do you think the pistons are affected in any type of way by dame showing up in milwaukee other I mean, than other than the pistons getting four automatic l's every year the next I two years to, i was gonna say like it's the the l's are even more automatic now i don't know it's like those uh i believe they when i saw the schedule uh i think mike curtis tweeted out like when the bucks play the pistons and they have like a home home back to back on like January in like middle of January, and so like you could just like you know do something else with the middle of January that week, right? Like <laughs> you don't have to worry about it too much. But I mean, I, like obviously this makes the Bucks really good. Uh, not that they weren't already really good, um, and the Pistons are still not in a position to really challenge them. Uh, this makes them even harder to defend. So I think yeah, this is you can just chalk up four more L's on, on the schedule. It's going to be tough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Just want to get your quick thoughts on that. Cause that is the biggest news out right now. I feel no, like it affects sure. everybody. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Let's talk about Boyan Bogdanovich. So the way we do these pre season previews, I start off with a review of the last season. Then we preview the upcoming season. Then we give expectations, predictions of the upcoming season. So let's start with a review of this past season. I'll let you start off. What did you think about Boyan Bogdanovich season this past year? What were some of your bigger takeaways from him? How did you feel about it? Et cetera, et cetera. So he had his most efficient and like one of the most productive seasons he's ever had at age 33. Uh, he averaged over 20 points a game, shot over 40% from three, uh, shot uh, 57% from uh, like and uh, from uh, an effective field goal percentage standpoint. Had a career high true shooting percentage, and so like he was some nights the whole of the Pistons' offense. 
Um, and he was really to be commended for that. The thing is, like, he's going to be 34 this year. And, like, is he in the long-term plans for this team? Um, but last year, like, he was great. Um, I, I was really impressed. And it was – you got to remember, like, that, that trade happened right before training camp, right? Like, we – we weren't coming into the season being like, oh, like Boyan's going to play this huge role for us. They kind of like sprung that on us. And he was, I think, a lot better than Pistons fans had any right to expect him being offensively. Defensively, kind of a different story. Wasn't that, wasn't that great defensively? They put him in bad positions and he's playing. Like He's a guy you can tell can play defense inside a, like, a larger scheme with other alongside other good defenders. And the Pistons didn't have the best defensive scheme and didn't surround him with other good defenders. And so it just made him look worse. Um, and so I think, like, he still has a lot to contribute, even if he is 34. Um, I have what I hope are reasonable ex- expectations for him this season. We can talk about those in a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised and really pleased with what Boyan did for the Pistons last season. Yeah, I, I thought when they traded for Boyan last season, like you said, right before training camp, um, I came on the podcast and I said, Pistons fans, you, are, you guys aren't going to be ready for him basically being their second best player. And he could actually be their best player if Cade doesn't like take that next step. Yeah. And I think he was even better than I expected. I knew he was a great shooter, but he actually showed me more as a just overall scorer that I didn't I didn't exactly know he had. Um, you brought up some of his efficiency numbers, true shooting. I just want to bring up some of his play type, how he did with some of these play types. Uh, I get these from Synergy. I had a few of you guys ask me on the last episode. It's from Synergy Sports Tech. Um, it's a monthly subscription. Um, so spot up, he was in the 93rd percentile um, this past season for the Pistons. P- pick and roll ball handler, he was in the 51st percentile. Coming off screens, he was in the 83rd percentile. In isolation, he was in the 64th percentile. So he was more of just a well-rounded just offensive player. He was effective for the Pistons in every area. You look at his catch-and-shoot numbers, he was in the 95th percentile. On dribble pull-up jumper, 79th percentile. Um, at the rim, he wasn't very good uh, getting to the rim, but he drew some fouls as well, got to the free throw line. One of the best shooters in the NBA this career, past season. Career-high free throw rate last season. Yeah. So, yeah, he got to the free throw line, line a ton and was just strictly one of the best shooters overall in the whole NBA last season, not just the best shooter in the Pistons. He was literally one of the best shooters in the league this past year. Um, and at, at the age of 33, he had a lot, a very high usage rate for the Pistons, which is something I know you said you wanted to talk about this past year. Um, so he he was asked to do a ton for the Pistons, which helped the Pistons in some areas because they didn't have guys. Once Cade went down, they didn't have guys that could really create like that offensively. But then also hurt the Pistons in some areas, like when they were expecting him to like run the offense and like facilitate the offense, especially at the end of games, yeah. didn't necessarily go well. At yeah. I'd say probably went pretty poorly. Um, but there, he was kind of met with like a Boyan was basically given a win lose situation there because there was there was no other better option, and he had a good season for it. But I know he was at the frustration of a lot of Pistons fans because of how the end of games went, and maybe that was on Boyan. Maybe it's more on Dwayne Casey, the coach, for wanting to go that route. Whatever the is, whatever the case is, I thought Boyan had a really damn good season this past year. I was shocked that the Pistons didn't move him. I thought teams would be a little bit more interested, and maybe they are. The Pistons just have an insane asking price that they just don't want to meet. Um, but, yeah, I thought he had a great season this past year. Um, there's something I want to ask you about his defense, but I want to save it for the second segment. So I, I'm going to, like, put a pin in it and try to remember. Just to talk about – just to briefly discuss his defense last year, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, 
there was one matchup he got up for Luca and tried to play pretty good defense with when he played against Luca. But outside of that, was pretty poor defensively this past year. I have a question of whether he's can be an okay defender away from Rudy Gobert, like really covering up everybody's stuff because he didn't just cover up Boyan. He covered up Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley. He like yeah. he just covered up everybody's stuff. So away from Rudy Gobert, I question, especially at 34 now, if there's any situation where he could be just a a non-terrible defender. Um, but I guess we'll see. But yeah, overall last season, I thought he was I thought he was exactly, especially for what the Pistons traded for him. I thought he was an absolute steal. I thought he was great for him. Yeah, I, th- I think it's worth remembering too that like they traded him for Kelly Olynyk and like a bag of chips, right? Like he was much much better than Kelly Olynyk was as a Piston, as, as even as just like not even a one to one replacement. But um, considering like the other assets you gave up, like completely worth it um, for for the team. Defensively, I some of it I think towards especially like later in the season, it's like for who, for what. Like, why are we out here? Like, let me just get the ball and and go. Um, and I do think that, like, if there was more to play for, you might see more energy and effort on that end of the floor. On the other hand, like, he's 34 and not the greatest athlete in the world, right? Like, it's kind of it's kind of hard to expect him to be a above-average defensive player at this stage in his career. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's something we're going to talk about when we come back about his upcoming season. I want to ask Laz something about his defense. I think it's going to be a fun conversation, so stay tuned for that. Um, But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, DoorDash. Love the convenience of getting what you want, when you want, right to your door. With DoorDash Grocery Delivery, you can stock up for the week or last order last-minute cravings conveniently. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers, too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them for yourself. Want even more value? You can save up on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with the Dash Pass. Mem- the Dash Pass, my God, membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer su- support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order, up to $20 off value when you use code Locked and MBA at checkout. Limited time offer terms apply. That's $50 off, up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and $0 delivery fees on your first order when you download DoorDash app in the App Store and or- enter code Locked on MBA. Don't forget that's code Locked on MBA for $50 off or 50% off. My goodness, I'm struggling here. 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Again, that's Locked on MBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked on Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked on Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review. Whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, that's another great way to support the podcast. I struggled a little bit through that DoorDash ad. I don't know what was going on there, but it's what it is. You guys all get it. DoorDash, it's great. Um, I have a DoorDash Dash Pass. It's great. It's fantastic. I do it all the time. My wife gets mad at me that I order a little bit too much, but um, it's great. Um, anyways, all right, so let's preview Boyan's upcoming season last. So I wanted to ask you this before we talk about all the other things with this upcoming season. Defensively. Do you think that he'll be better served as on defense at the three or four position this upcoming year? 
I think that's the wrong question. I think it's a question of like what kind of system they want to run defensively. Like, do they want to run more a switch heavy defense, or do they want want to run like a base like drop level defense, or even if you're like trying to play at the level or something? Do they do they want to switch everything to stop people from rotating, or are they willing to like let these young kids like figure out defensive rotations like as the season goes along? Because if he plays the three or the four and you're playing a switch heavy defense, it doesn't matter, right? You'll he'll just get switched into bad matchups, right? If you're trying what position he plays matters a little bit more if you're trying to preserve uh matchups by playing like a more uh drop heavy or less like switch switch based defense. Um I I like probably he's better at the four defensively just because you're expecting bigger slower wings at the four than at the three but the four is such an important position there aren't a lot of low skill fours like left in the nba right like you're looking at like the pj tuckers of the world like not a lot of dudes are like that in the starting lineups and so i think that uh, i think it's probably better for him as a defender if they don't go switch heavy and you can't just like drag him into isolation situations where he can get kind of get exposed. I think like as as a guy who's been in the league as long as he is, he probably knows better where to be defensively in like rotations and whatnot on on the backside of plays than um, having like chase guys around screen or try to like hold up in isolation. So like that that is what my hope is that what they need to do defensively to not hide him, but like get the most out of him defensively. So I, I agree with that because also I don't think Jalen Dern is going to be a switch heavy big. I think they're going to probably go drop with him. Yeah. Um, I think they could experiment with him like at the level, but I don't think he's going to be a switch guy. I don't think that's going to be happening. Um, the question that I'm really interested to see for him this upcoming year is like, who is he starting with? Is he starting with Stu or is he starting with the Sar Thompson? Um, I guess there's like some, some like little chance that, Maybe someone else like Isaiah Livers, maybe, but like I think the real two chances are either Liv or uh, Asar or Stu. And I'm interested to see who he plays with, who they decide to start him with defensively, because I mean, this is probably going to go into a different player's preview, which we, I don't want to go too far into it. But like, if you, st- my thing with Stu is that Stu's like whole defensive like purpose is like he's supposed to be like a great switching guy. Like, that's supposed to be like his whole, mm-hmm. his whole thing. I don't think he's actually good as just a, perimeter oriented defender I don't think he was very good at that this past year his mm-hmm. whole thing is I can switch out on the guards hold my own while also like defending my position pretty well like that's his versatility so if they don't go switching I, it kind of is like I don't know if I feel really good about Stu Dice like only guarding fours and just being like perimeter oriented I don't think he's that good at that right now so and then if you start Boyan with Asar Asar is basically going to be taking the best matchup or the best offensive player most nights, and then exactly. and then Boyan's going to be off ball. Um, it's it's really I'm going to be really interested to see how they work all that stuff because I think it's going to be a little bit um, it's going to be a little bit tough. I think it's going to be pretty tough to like figure out what to do. I don't think they're going to go. I don't think switching's a possibility this year with what their starting lineup's going to be. I think they could do it in like with special with specific lineups they can try to do it. Like if they want to go Stu at five in some minutes. And, and build a lineup around that, they could go switching. 
But like with Boyan on the fly, I don't think switching is a possibility. I definitely don't think it's probably going to be a possibility in the starting lineup. So I just wanted to see what you thought about that because I think that's probably my most interesting. The thing I'm most interested in seeing with Boyan in the starting lineup this upcoming year is just what they decide to do with him and everyone else defensively. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, like you mentioned, if he if they play Boyan and Asar together, Asar is just going to take the tougher matchup. So it doesn't really matter. Like they're even even a guy that's like six eight six nine. Like I feel comfortable letting Asar like try those matchups first, as opposed to as opposed to Boyan, just because already we've seen uh, from Asar defensively. Like you, you think he's going to be more capable at the NBA level than Boyan is right now. So. Fair enough. All right, yeah. so let's talk about offensively. I know this was something you wanted to talk about, so I'll yeah. let you go ahead and go with this, and then I'll come back after you. So last year, offensively, Boyan had a career-high usage rate. He was over 25%, 25.9%. But in the first 12 games of the season, where, if you recall, like those were the games that Cade played, Boyan had a much more reasonable 21.4% usage rate. And so my thought process is with a healthy Cade playing, hopefully, most of the season, can you keep the insane efficiency Boyan had last year by tweaking his usage down a little bit, right? Maybe like that's lower free throw rate, uh, which was, again, like a career high last season. Um, But like as a shooter, as a floor spacer, um, as a guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands to be a threat, it's like, can he still like be the this really high level efficient offensive player without um, needing the ball in his hands all the time? Because especially because like you're going to want the ball in Cade's hands, you're going to want the ball in Jay Nivey's hands a lot of the time as well, and it's not totally clear what role like Boyan is going to play as a in the rotation right we we just, we just talked about the defensive issues we talked about um his role uh defensively like next to Stu and like how that impacts what kind of defense the pistons can even play so it's like do you start boy on right do you you could go full youth movement start asar and Stu like next to each other and let Boyan just kind of be your like him and burks be your like two flamethrowers off of the bench and you're still probably always playing one of those guys alongside like Acade or an Ivy. Um, and that would probably be like Boyan would be great at that role. But as a vet, as a guy who, you know, maybe looking for one more deal after this one, like would he be cool with coming off the bench for a 19 year old who's like not nearly the offensive threat that he is? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'd be really curious to see. Like, I think it's really unreasonable to expect another career offensive season from Boyan. Like, it was reasonable. It was unreasonable to expect that last year, and we got it anyway, right? So, like, don't look the gift horse in the mouth. But I also think you can't go into this season being like, okay, like, he did this last year. We're going to lean on him to do the exact same thing this year because I don't think that's – I don't think that's going to work. And so – well, hopefully we see a little bit less of the like isolations from Boyan and a little bit more leveraging him as a screener, as an off-ball threat. I think a lot about how the Phoenix used Cam Johnson, right? And I think Boyan is a much more versatile offensive piece than Cam Johnson, but like as the guy who's going to be like the shooter on the floor for the Pistons most of the time, 
like Phoenix had Cam mostly spacing the floor or just like running, uh, running like off ball screens, right? And Boyan's more versatile, so like you can turn some of those off ball screens and like DHOs, like empty side stuff. Um, you can do uh, more. It's not it's not pick and pop when it's Boyan because like you 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 won't see Boyan like actually set screens, right? You'll see him like slip through and like try to create an advantage that way, but. Uh, yeah, I think getting Boyan moving and like causing the defense to rotate and have to like attract his movements is, I think, a lot is going to be easier for him because he doesn't have like all the defensive eyes on him, and it's going to be keep it's going to keep the ball in Caden Jaden's hands, and because he can shoot, like you can just always like skip it, skip pass it over to him, and you feel comfortable about getting a good shot out of that. So yeah, like that's where I'm at with Boyan offensively this year. I hope I hope he does about the same with less. Yeah, I don't think there's any way. I, I don't think there's a possibility that he could have a high usage rate because of the players that he's going to be playing with. So Cade's coming back, he's going to have a high usage. Ivy's going to have, he's going to get his usage. If Asar does play, that's another guy who kind of does some secondary ball handling on on the off and like on the other side, weak side of the floor. He can run some weak side pick and rolls. Like he can that those are all and then Jalen Duran, who could be a hub for them at the high post. You can run some offense through him. So I just don't see how he could even keep up that usage rate. So I don't think that's going to be too much of a concern. Also, his final you brought up his isolation numbers, which I think was a really good point. His uh in his final year with Utah, he had 71 possessions and with isolation, 75 as the pick and roll ball handler. With the Pistons this past year. He had 30-plus more as isolation. He had 103 uh, possessions in isolation. Then he had, like, triple the amount um, as a pick-and-roll ball handler. So last year was, like, probably this complete new thing for him. And I think he should be able to go back to basically how he has played for a while now. Last year, he was asked to do a lot more. I'm sure he enjoyed it. Obviously, he had a great year. But I'm not – I think he should be able to fall back into that role um, and then just looking at like his off ball numbers, like coming off screens, he shot 46% on threes coming off screens. I know they ran some pin downs for him to hit some like pull up jumpers from like the, the extended high post area. Um, he shot 51% on those um, coming off screens. And then just overall, I said this earlier, but overall as a catch and shoot shooter, he was 95th percentile this past year um, and then shot, what was it? 44% on catch and shoot threes. That's guarded and guarded and, and unguarded. So I think he should be pretty good for the Pistons this year. Um, I, I think what you brought up with him, is he going to be okay with coming off the bench? I think that's the key point. Um, I've had I've had James on the podcast. I've had Omari on the podcast. I'm sure you've talked with them too. And one of the main things I've learned over the last few years doing this is that a lot of people, I'm not saying you, I'm talking about like listeners and fans and stuff. A lot of people don't take into account that a coach also has to like keep the locker room intact. Like he, yeah. he can't, he yep. can't piss off the entire locker. He can't piss off his vets and cause like issues in the locker. Then you just lost the team. It's over with. So will, would like Boyan be okay coming off the bench after a career year for a rookie? I struggle to see him being okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle yeah. with being, is him seeing, being okay with that, but I could see how that could like at just over, just looking at team wise and basketball wise without like the personalities I think that's probably a discussion that should be had, but yeah. we'll we'll see what happens. When we come back, though, I want to talk about his expectations, what you think will happen this upcoming season. We'll talk about all that when we come back. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. 
So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. All right, so expectations and predictions for Boyan this upcoming season. There, there's a few ways I want to start this, but I'll, I'll, I'll start with this. Do you think that Boyan will be starting this upcoming season? If you had to make the expectation and put money on it, do you think he's going to be the starter? I do. I do think that Boyan will be in the starting lineup to start the year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't think that he, like we just mentioned, I don't think he would be cool with coming off the bench. I don't think Monty, I, I know that you we've seen Cade, Ivy, Asar, Stu Duran st- playing at Rico Hines runs together like the last, mm-hmm. I think, month or so. I know fans love it. And look, it's been cool to watch. It's been cool to see uh, during the offseason. I'm not saying you won't get to see that lineup at you know for stretches and games. Um, but yeah, again, I just don't see a world where Boyan doesn't start. Um, the other thing to ask about Boyan this upcoming year is it even, I don't think it's his play. I think the, and I, I kind of feel bad for Boyan because it's like, people, we, we don't even really, and maybe we should a little bit more, but. At least I, it's kind of like you already know what Boyan is. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good offensive player. He can score. He can shoot. He's a valuable player. But the talk isn't about like him as a player ever. It's always, is he going to be traded? Who's he going to be traded to? What's his value? Right. When will he be traded? Like that's right. that's like all the conversation has been about him. So I guess that's the next question. Do you think he survives this season as a Detroit Piston, or do you think he gets moved? survived is the wrong word right <laughs> survival would be staying on this team <laughs> through another like you know 60 plus losses right no i i don't think i think it depends a lot of on the development of other guys on the roster but if you made me pick i would pick that boyan does not finish the year on the pistons i pick he'd get traded someplace else um he there's you can make a very solid argument that he should have been traded last year. I've we've made gotten, that argument and I'll, I'll keep making it. We, we've gotten a lot of reports that the Pistons asking price for Boyan is just like through the roof. And part of me is like, if he plays at lower than career best, it's like maybe you are forced to lower the asking price to something reasonable. And then you can actually like trade at this guy. Uh, but like he has a really he has a really great contract for any team looking to contend. Um, the Pistons could use the extra like draft capital you could probably get for Boyan. Uh, I know this draft class is not thought of as spectacular, but Troy Weaver always loves just having extra draft picks around so he can take his guys. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me to see like uh, Boyan be traded for you know, an interesting young wing prospect who hasn't fully developed yet and a late 20s, like, first-round pick in an upcoming draft, right? I think that's probably a completely fair uh, return for Boyan. Uh, And he could swing a lot of uh, the playoff chase for a lot of different teams. I know the, the West is going to be insanely competitive this year. And the, there's like there's eight teams in the West that could use a Boyan, right? And so I, I do think you'll have a, a market for him should the asking price reach that low and not like we want a like lottery pick or two. We want a lottery pick and another like future non-lottery pick for Boyan. It's like 
chill out, chill out. Like we're we're not going that far. But yeah, I, I don't think Boyan ends the year as a piston. I think that it that opens up playing time for Asar, opens up development time for a guy like Isaiah Livers, right? Um, we talked about him maybe having to accept a bench role. It's like if you move him, all of a sudden that opens up minutes for like a Marcus Sasser or a, even like a, a Killian Hayes or something in the rotation. And so it, it makes a lot of sense why Boyan like wouldn't finish the year here in my mind. No, it makes complete sense for me why he wouldn't either. I think they should have traded him this past year. And here, here comes, here comes the incoming rant real quick because I, I you mentioned something about go like off. Lower, go off about lowering value for this player. This is now the second time that the Pistons have a player who they could move and get real value for that could help them stack some treasure chest stuff to have them in a better position in the future. But because their asking price was so insanely high, they don't move them. And then when they eventually move them, they have to move them for something lower than what the original offer, offer was. First time it happened with Jeremy. Now I feel like Bojan, you could have got even more this past year because he was in the midst of having a great season. Um, and he, he, like you mentioned, he's on a great contract. Now, I mean, I don't expect him to have the next career best year at 34 now. And I feel like now you're going to have, you're going to be for, I mean, I feel like you're going to be forced to lower the value anyway, because the original value that you were asking for was crazy nonetheless. But now you're going to have to lower it. I feel like if you do trade him this year to something lower, then maybe you would have had to lower it to last year. So with that, I still think he probably gets traded because of the reasons you mentioned. It frees up minutes for SR, it frees up minutes for Isaiah Livers. And this is something that I've talked about a lot. And I want to get your thoughts on it before we wrap up the podcast. And it's not necessarily just about Boyan. It's about the Pistons. But for the reasons you suggested, and I think the Pistons are about to be players in a trade soon. I, like, I think they are sizing. I think James kind of hinted at this in an article a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago or something, um, when the Pistons fans were really angry about not doing anything in free agency. He kind of came out with an article saying, hey, they could be sizing themselves up for this, that, whatever. I actually agree with that. The Pistons have a lot of tradable contracts right now with like impactful veterans like Monty Morris and Alec Burks, a boy on Bogdanovich. Like they have a bunch of guys that contenders may want. And they also have a lot of young guys that could get packaged with those veteran guys to get something. And those veteran guys on good contracts that are on like a Boyan's on a higher salary to where it could help match the salary along with the Burks and, and Monty. So I, I'm interested to know, do you think, it's possible because I know you mentioned that he, that he could get like a, a developing wing and a pick. My thing is, I don't know if the Pistons are interested in getting like another developmental wing because they just got Monty Williams. Are they going to be willing to invest that those kind of reps and time into a developmental person um, after they just did it with James Wiseman? I don't want to have to get into James Wiseman again, but like, I, I just don't think they're going to do I I hope they don't do it again for someone like James Wiseman. And I, I don't think they're going to. So then my question is, do you think it's possible that maybe at the trade deadline or maybe even after the season, but at the trade deadline, they, you could see a trade that involved Boyan and Burks or Boyan and Amanti or like a package deal where the Pistons are maybe making a bigger trade, not like a superstar trade, but maybe a, a bigger trade than we're thinking where it's not just for draft capital a few years down the line. It could actually be like something heavier. player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's possible for sure. Um, what the hard the hard thing for me is coming up with who that player might be, right? Because you'd be looking for a not you wouldn't be looking for another Boyan, right? You wouldn't be looking for another like thirty three year old guy 
who fits what you want to do, but like is on the wrong end of like your, your timeline. You'd want to find another guy who can, who's like a little bit more established, but can grow alongside your young dudes and play alongside your young dudes. The trouble is like, those guys are really, really valuable and also like really highly coveted. So I like, I've been a huge proponent of like trying to go get OG Ananobi, but like, as it, as it seems really clear, like Toronto doesn't want to let him go and he's going to make upwards of like $200 million on the free agent market next season. Right. Like you think about a guy like Jaden McDaniels, right. It's like, I, I have no clue how Minnesota is going to afford him, but like, he's going to also make like, 140 150 million dollars on his next restricted free agency contract like easily in my mind um and so you're you're looking for that type of guy right you're looking for a a really good wing defender who's also contributing offensively who also doesn't need the ball a whole whole lot but like every team is looking for those kind of guys and so it's like at that point it's like does your package of boyan plus burks beat other teams packages of like whatever the case may be and so I do think it'd be easier to get future draft capital for a Boyan or for a Burks. And so that, that makes it easier to like clear up space for like a guy like a SAR. And so if you like just want to get Boyan out, like you don't look as hard for established guys just because those trades are kind of lopsided. But if you're actually trying to maximize the value of Boyan, like, yeah, maybe you're looking for a um i don't know i already mentioned the two guys i always think of i i, I could say rj barrett but like uh pistons fans i was gonna say me. pistons fans will chew you out <laughs> yeah they, they get mad at me every time i bring up rj barrett um shoot i don't know like you know what'd be really funny Koo? What? like keegan, keegan murray would be so good on this team <laughs> he would he would he'd be a really good fit yeah it's just like just but guys like that right like you're looking for Team defenders who don't need the ball to be effective offensively. You want to know another name that I've 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 brought up one time. Yeah, hit me, hit me. I've brought up one time. I have never brought him up again because of getting chewed out by the Pistons fan base and the team's fan base that, that guy plays for currently. But if like things don't go like amazingly well for him, Jabari Smith with Houston. Oh yeah, I'd love that. But there's there's no way that Houston would ever give him up this early unless he well, like, yeah, really not, stunk. No, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> So we'll wrap up the podcast with this final question. This is the final thing that I'll ask you. And it's not about Boyan. We kind of drifted away from the Boyan thing. It's fine. I've, I've asked James, Bryce, Omari, and I've talked about it a ton this offseason. I think the Pistons, I don't think this is happening this year, but I think maybe next offseason or maybe at next deadline, the Pistons could be one of those teams you start here and taking chances on like a heavy contract guy that maybe want. I've been telling listeners to start watching situations Start watching guys that could potentially be out soon, guys that could potentially be asking out, guys that could potentially be moving on to start a rebuild, et cetera, that kind of stuff. I think the Pistons' salary cap long-term is in a position where they could survive that. They, they're in a position right now where they could take on a heavy contract and be cool with their young guys still. And like I mentioned, I think they also in a position where like, if they wanted to trade one of their young guys with some of the vets, they could do it. If they wanted to trade a young guy with some vets and then maybe – relinquish the protections on that pick they owed in New York and then package future first, they could. I think that's something that they could be doing maybe next offseason or maybe even at the next deadline. I don't think it's gonna happen this year unless like they're Luca or Cage like Luca 
and they're like, oh, we can actually make a make a run this year for something. So unless that happened, I don't think it's happening this year. My question for you is this. If I had to ask you one player that you can think of off the top of your head, and it doesn't have to be a fan favorite answer. I've said an answer. I'm going to say mine, and fans hate mine. But if you had to think of one player off the top of your head that's like, okay, he's on a heavy contract. He's a really good player. He's on a heavy contract. I could see him getting moved, and the Pistons can afford him because of their salary cap, whatever. Who's that one player you think? I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sorry, but like, who's a player that you think of? Yeah, you you give me your name first, and I'll I'll try and think of some guys. Okay, well, my name is not a popular answer. <laughs> I, that's cool. That's cool. I think Carl Anthony Towns could become like available. Okay, yeah, and, that's not that's not gonna be popular. No. But it's it, but look, so this is the problem. So I think Cats the so you brought up Jay McDaniel. I think they're gonna try their hardest to keep him, mm-hmm. and I think he, Cats the one out. I'm looking across the league at guys who are like all-star players who could be getting moved that are on heavy contracts. Because I don't, like you mentioned earlier with like the value, I don't think the Pistons have the price or the, the, the treasure chest that could outbid other teams for guys that are stars with no baggage with them. Like if they have no baggage, their value is going to be super high and other teams will just outbid you much like I hate to bring this up, but much like the Pistons did with Blake. The reason why they were able to get Blake is because he was on a heavy contract and he had some injury concerns. So you were able to like, kind of, I don't want to say they gave up nothing for him, but they gave up a little bit less than you would for a guy of his just overall talent level. So the guys I'm looking at are guys that come with baggage that will lower their value. And you can, I think the Pistons could actually win a, I don't want to say there's going to be a bidding war for Cat. I don't even know if Cat has positive value because of how bad his contract is. But like, you get what I'm saying. Like they can actually make a deal to where they would, they would get the deal accepted um, and not have to enter a bidding war that they'd lose. So Cat's the first thing that comes up because of his contract. Although I think Cat's a really good player. I like Cat. I just yeah. think his contract's crazy. So if the but the Pistons could swallow that contract and be straight still long term. That's yeah. the first thing that comes up. Not saying he's the perfect fit, not saying they actually will go with him, but when I think of that type of player situation, he's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. So a guy that comes to mind for me is, is a guy I've thought about in the past. And you're talking about situations, you're talking about teams that you know, like this guy, but maybe something else uh, outside of basketball keeps them from hold, being able to hang on to him. I'm thinking about like an Andrew Wiggins, right? Uh, you Clay's extension is coming up. Like they they already got Draymond to agree to a lower number. You probably get you probably can get Clay to agree to a lower number as well. But you still got to pay Kaminga. You still got to pay Moody. You gotta figure out what you're gonna do with that Chris Paul salary slot because Chris Paul ain't gonna be on the Warriors forever. Like come on. So, like, maybe Andrew Wiggins ends up a second apron casualty for the Warriors, and that's a guy who has some basketball baggage, hasn't really had success outside of Golden State, but as a guy who you could bring in and be, like, your fourth option offensively, but, like, still would be really good and effective in that role. Like, that, I think that that would be interesting for sure. There, there's one more name that I just thought of, and this is another. This is another name that I don't think would be too. I think he might be mildly popular, but also comes with risk. Um, you picked a player, Andrew Wiggins. I don't think he comes with much risk. But everyone will, will like you. Everyone, everyone's gonna like your answer. Everyone's gonna hate mine. <laughs> but but um, Michael Porter Jr. I think for the same like reasons you were bringing up, I think that like, do you think Denver's gonna be able to afford that core for years on, on end? I think like eventually we're gonna have to move somebody. Mm, I, I was thinking more like if Michael Porter Jr. gets moved, he's gonna want to be someplace. He's gonna want the Jeremy right, where he's gonna want to be oh, someplace where he can be the guy. And Detroit, 
hopefully won't be that because we'll have Caden, Jaden being the guys, right? So I, I would be – he probably wouldn't be happy here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Denver, I mean, you, you, if Jamal Murray keeps getting, like, not making the all-star team is like – Oh, yeah, because that's going to keep his – yeah, keep his, his number his down. value lower than it otherwise might be. And Aaron Gordon is, like, an all-star in his role, but also, like, a guy who's probably not going to, like, ever – make an all-defense team or, like, make any of the accolades that, like, make you really expensive on the open market. So, and Jokic already makes as much money as, like, they can possibly pay him. So, like, I, I don't think Denver should have a lot of trouble keeping that team together in the long term. But, I mean, like, if they were to make Michael Porter Jr. available, I'm sure they could get a lot for him, yeah. All right, fair enough. We'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you, Laz, for coming on the podcast. Um, I I, I want to know what you guys think about Andrew Wiggins joining the team because I thought I saw a lot of Pistons fans interested in Andrew Wiggins before they drafted Asar Thompson. I've seen his name kind of die down in the Pistons community. I wonder if you guys are still fans of Andrew Wiggins joining the Pistons, um, even if they have Asar Thompson. Let me know that in the comment section down below, or you can obviously let us know on Twitter at Kuka Hill, or you can let Laz know at Last Chance. Um, Laz, again, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, that's all we've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Until next time, peace out.